Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Right, welcome everyone back to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Anne, and I'm here today with my new friend Heather Sanford. Heather is a lifelong ministry worker and previously worked in a pastoral position, and she experienced her own church hurt. And so here, kind of towards the end of our church hurt series, we're going to talk to Heather just a little bit of what that felt like from being not the senior pastor, but being in a pastoral role and really loving her church family but really going through the heartache of having to leave and separate from that. First of all, welcome, Heather. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Anne. Thanks so much um, for having me. It's been really fun to get to know you the last literally couple months of yeah. fun playing football together. I love when, you know, the Lord brings people together in random ways. Um, yeah. First, I'll just start by saying I, I do love the Lord. I've, you know, been with him my whole life. So I'm grateful to still be in a relationship with him. Um, I've been in a relationship with the church for a long time, but like you just said, experienced a lot of hurt um, in the church. And that's a really sad, sad thing for me to even still say, I'm still wrestling with what that even means, to be honest. Um, I have given, I would say my whole life to the bride, um, in full-time ministry, even as a young person, just growing up in a church. Um, but yeah, I have spent 25 plus years in full-time, what I would say, what the church quote, quote, unquote, say full-time vocational ministry, um, working in a parachurch ministry for a lot of years. And then, in a private Christian school for a couple of years, and then in my latest job in an actual church in a pastoral role, as you mentioned. So a little bit about me, I am married um, and I have two kiddos, uh, a daughter who just turned 12 and she's, you know, full on teenage mode, even though she's not a teenager <laughs> quite yet, but we're in that zone and an eight-year-old son. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Lots that, to dive into though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. But yeah, like you said, like we've been praying actually for my son who's nine to have like some buddies. And I was, I think I texted you. I was almost at the point of tears when I realized like you had invited us over along with some other boys from the football team. And this was the first time that my son had had like a play date with friends that were his own and not just like our church friends or family, you know? And so I'm really thankful also that we got to do flag. I don't know anything about football at all, but our, (laughs) our kids, enjoyed playing and they won their championship and it was so I know cool. comeback story of the century yeah, they were yeah. no no offense to any of our poor little boys they were awful at the beginning they were awful and then they came back to win I couldn't even believe it yeah. <laughs> it was so exciting my husband was jumping up and down and just to see the progress that they made like even though I said I'm not a football person but that was really an amazing experience not only for them to learn the game but also to learn how to be a team and also to make like actual friendships, which is kind of new for my kids. (laughs) I'm so grateful. Yay. We'll continue to have many more play dates. Even though our season is over. (laughs) Yeah. So our girls are the same grade and our boys are the same grade. And then I have an extra one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And your husband is great too. So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll keep them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should, you should keep yeah. them. Okay. So we'll get into the story a little bit here. Why don't you tell us about how, how you found out that the pastoral role you were doing wasn't really going to work out. <laughs> let's, let's start there. Yeah. Great question. Okay. So a um, little backstory. I actually, for the majority of my ministry career did youth ministry specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'll start there. Um, and then when I entered into kind of the, the, the beginning of the end, I would say of uh, my ministry career, as I would say, it. and I'm not saying that my ministry career is over per se, it's just definitely not going to exist in the manner in which it had, I think for the first literally over two decades um, that I was involved in the way I was. I was in youth ministry for a long time because I love students and I love families. But then a few, a couple of years back, I was invited into an executive role uh, pastorally. I had already been ordained in ministry and, and that's a whole nother podcast. You know, we can talk about women in ministry and whether oh, or yeah. not people will even believe in that. So we won't, we'll just shelf that conversation we'll circle back to that. We'll sometimes. just assume that half of your audience probably is thinking what you have a woman female pastor and, and the other half being like, yay. So we realize that some of your listeners don't even want to listen to me talk, but that's okay. But you know, for the sake of the argument, yes, I I'm ordained as a pastor um, within, within my denomination or whatnot, but you know, I was invited into an executive role as a, as a pastor, um, not in a youth ministry anymore, but within the larger body of the church to be, um, uh, kind of in charge of our production and weekend experiences and communication and, um, worship department. I kind of oversaw three different directors. So I was over three other departments and then I was the head kind of pastoral role over those other three pastors and directors. And I kind of felt like the beginning of the end was when I was invited into this executive team as a woman, there was just questions I had about the way certain things were ran. And I remember one of my very first conversations with my lead pastor was I I walked into a meeting and I said, you know, we spend, I I had been given the budgets for, um, for our Christmas production at this church, this large church I was a part of. And, and, you know, it was a a great amount of money, you know, in the multiple, multiple thousands of dollars, like, we'll just put it at that. And I said, wow, this, I was alarmed at the amount of money it was, you know, it was like a full-time salary really, to be honest for, for a week in production. And I understand the size of our church was very large, but I thought, you know, my heart immediately thought, would it be so cool if we took this money and in lieu of doing this huge weekend production for Christmas, what if we donated this money to something, a need in our community, like to the, and not even necessarily a, a Christian or ministerial cause, but maybe like a boys and girls club or, you know, um, a military families, you know, deployed, you know, families, you know, when they were living without their spouses for Christmas, let's provide Christmas or something, you know, just a cause that would support our community based on the scripture that says, you know, the true gospel is taking care of care of widows and orphans. That's what kind of motivated. So I went to my pastor and I, and I, I said, you know, across his desk, you know, Hey, what about in lieu of Christmas this year, let's spend like a couple thousand dollars on a big, huge billboard that says in lieu of Christmas, we have donated X amount of dollars to X cause in our community, you know, you know, God bless, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, he, he kind of laughed and then he looked at me and said, Oh wait, you're serious. And I said, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely serious. And he just said, there's, Oh, that's a novel idea. It's very noble, but we're, we're not going to do that. 
you know, we have Christmas to put on. And I'm like, and it just set this sinking feeling down in my soul, you know? And I really, I say that story because I feel like that really was, I didn't know it at the time. That was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Mm-hmm. I just started realizing I had something within me that was a rub against the direction of where the church, not just my church. And I want to be careful during this conversation that mm-hmm. I don't think that it's just about the church that I was serving at. I right. think it's a bigger conversation about the state of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, I do think that it has something to do with larger churches and especially in the Western culture right now in, mm-hmm. in America specifically and the way they operate that just started re- making me realize something's off here in the way and the manner in which we're operating that doesn't feel aligned with what I know to be true of the heart of God. And I'm also not saying that I have, Heather Sanford has the corner of the, on the market of the way God would operate the church. Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to come across with some audacity in that sense, but I do just believe that was for me, the beginning of the end. I saw some very tangible ways that we had power and authority and resource to do some very good things within our community to love our neighbor well, And we didn't take that opportunity. Instead, we took opportunity to do some shiny, fun things that didn't really have, in my opinion, lasting impact. Yeah. So I thought that was the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> and it was. So uh, it, I, a year and a half later, you know, was the end for me at, at, in that position. But there's a lot of in between. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was just the first little thing, the first little nugget that I realized I don't know if what, what I'm about and what I want to see come to fruition here is going to last, you know, with the value systems here that are said there that are some great value systems, but on paper, but the way they are fleshed out doesn't actually always line up with what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you were let go, that was kind of like, you're saying it, there was a year and a half in the making, but when it actually happened, that was a little sudden for you. Right. Oh, yes. Um, I So I was on that executive team for a year and a half. Um, and there it was a, it was a pretty rocky journey. About six months into that position is when the pandemic hit. And my position in particular was the one that oversaw, like I said, all the worship and production communication teams, which essentially became the way we did church was my mm-hmm. departments because mm-hmm. we had to shift everything online. Yes. So all of a sudden, my departments were the ones that were working crazy over time to, to create essentially, you know, an entire new platform to make sure that our huge thing that was happening, church was still happening. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of my teams. Like relational equity is a huge deal to me. And my, my teams were like my, my family, you know, and while everyone else was literally quarantining and forced to stay at home, I was like living at church practically with this select people group of people that we were making sure things were still happening and reinventing the wheel. Um, and I'm grateful for that time I had with them, but during that time, it was like this big shift and there was lots of just rocky, interesting things that happen. Um, I'm not a, I always say this, but I'm not a yes man. So I challenge the status quo. And when things are, are, are said and done certain ways, I'm just like, well, okay, but why, what's the why behind this? How are we still meeting the needs? Are we, still hearing from the Lord? Are we doing this? Are we just doing this to save face? Or like, is this about image or reputation? Or is this about the heart of God? Is this about meeting the needs? Is this about 
our mission. You know what I mean? I just always am, I'm willing to say that, ask the hard question at the table yeah. and, um, versus just like nodding my head. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that can sort of, I'm a pretty outspoken person. Um, and I figured that that was why we were there, like why we were at that table. I often found myself asking the question, if this isn't the table where we ask these questions, then tell, point me to the table where we are. I, I thought that this was the executive team. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I've gone through ministry a lot feeling like, you know, if, if I'm at this, at this space, I feel like we can have these hard conversations and still walk away in unity. I've felt like I can agree to disagree with you and still choose love and still choose unity. But I have found, unfortunately, in ministry, specifically in like evangelical ministry, that if you disagree, it oftentimes for people equals disunity and dislove, mm -hmm. which is really unfortunate because really all that is backed by is ego, which is usually driven by insecurity or fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how about the fact that I disagree with you doesn't actually equate. I don't love you or I don't care about you. Right. Maybe it's just because we are wired different and it's okay to disagree and still find common ground that we're still united in Christ. And I still actually love you. Yeah. Like, or, you know, or that is over spiritualized, like, well, or that I'm it's total from, spiritual bypassing. <laughs> I'm hearing from the Lord and this is uh, that kind of thing. That phrase is one of the, that makes me want to throw up in my mouth <laughs> because who gets to spiritually trump who? Yeah. When you say I heard from the Lord, mm -hmm. when a lead pastor specifically, and this is, I'm not trying to specifically call out any one person. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want emails and phone calls from people that might hear this. And they know me personally, which I probably will either way, because I'm sure some <laughs> of your listeners are going to know me and they're going to be like, oh, Heather, which is fine. It is what it is. But when somebody specifically uses the Trump card of the Lord spoke to me and they told me this over your life. OK, take caution with that, because it's the Lord, the same spirit that lives in you, lives in me, lives in Jesus, who rose from the dead. So if he's not telling me that directly, but he's telling you all of a sudden, especially if it's an agenda that benefits you, mm -hmm. that, how does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. You know, and when people want to pull the Trump card, especially in a rank system of authority within the church, that's pretty dangerous ground. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, you know, and it kind of can get real gross real fast. It's but, really hard to figure out like, like uh, uh, spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. and respecting your pastors and honoring your pastors, but then not, not letting any kind of like narcissism or ego or pride. Dictate. I mean, your, your face is so grossed out right now about what I'm <laughs> saying, you know, <laughs> like, like you want to be able to respect people that are in positions of spiritual authority, but you can't, like you said, just nod your head and smile when you know there's things that don't really line up with, with a gospel mission. Right. Yeah. I, I, my, my face goes sour when you use that <laughs> word honor in, because I think it's one of the most manipulated things in specifically this decade within the American evangelical church. Mm. I think it is, um, uh, and I am not saying we should dishonor or disrespect people. I think there is a place to honor people, uh, you know, and respect people because we should honor all humankind. We should honor and dignify people. But when you place people in authority and give it an honor that is based off of um, an illusion of who they are or who they ought to be, especially in the church, in places of spiritual authority, 
it can get so magnified. It becomes an idol and it's so gross. I was recently, I mean, somebody from my you know old church sent me a clip of something and there was a guest that mentioned something about honor and I, my stomach turned because it, it was in relation to um, money. And it was kind of like a manipulative tool about honoring um, the, the head of the house and the, the wording that was used was all about the head of the church and Christ was not mentioned at all. As and the in, head of the church. As the head of the church. <laughs> okay. and the scripture, the Bible that I've read many times over in my life mentions the head of the church only always is Jesus Christ himself. Now there are people put in position to lead within the church, you know, the priesthood. Yes, of course, but the great priest, the head priest, it's always Christ. And to not even give mention to, we know that Christ is ahead, but so-and-so has been called to lead this congregation or it's just to not even give anything to a nod to it and just to, to raise up a name that's scary ground to tread on and I was like because they told me this and I was like that's nah, not I'm sure they didn't mean that they didn't say that and they sent me the clip and I thought oh no like they and so um that stuff makes me that's why my face goes oh the whole narcissistic like raising up of and the honor culture that that we're just twisting just enough, like just getting that little measure off where, and then people come at you and they say, you're dishonoring and therefore you're divisive, you're demonic, you're the one creating harm. You're the one. I mean, I've been told that this last year since I've been let go, you know, and I'm like, because I'm, because I speak the truth, because I, actually, because I speak the truth in love. Um, I'm not out like starting a campaign of saying anything harmful or slanderous at all. I'm just telling my story to those who ask the truth about it. Um, I've been actually very careful to do the opposite. I haven't gone out and said, you know, I have every right to, if I wanted to, I could get on my own social media and blast everything, but I actually haven't. I've been very intentional not to, but even the very small things that I have done and said, I've been held to an account of like, well, you said this, you did this. And I'm like, sometimes the truth hurts and people are angry about it. Um, but even that I've been called divisive. I've been called, you know, and it's like, ah, what do you do with that? You know, uh, when the truth reveals things and when the truth sheds light on things, on areas that need to be reformed, then people don't, people don't want to be held accountable to that. They just want to point the finger back and say, well, you, you're the one that's dishonoring. Mm -hmm. You're the one that's divisive. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just the one that's authentic, you know, <laughs> and, and is calling for an account to actually live out of love and live out of unity. Cause again, like I said, a minute ago, I I'm okay to live in, in disagreement and still choose love and unity and all honoring. Mm -hmm. And it, the church is pretty messed up right now. The yeah. bigger church, the church, yeah, you know, the big C church. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was accused of being divisive as well when I was observed talking to people about their hurt and they're really, I mean, I talk to people about their hurt all day long, every day. That's, That's my job. job. Yeah. <laughs> but when it, when somebody observed me in the context of like a after church one day, talking to people about their, how they're hurt about some things that happen, then rumors started going around that Anne was being divisive. And I, when I heard that I was indignant, like I wanted to throw down a chair because, yeah. because I, that's not my heart at all. 
my well, heart is all of a sudden, right? Yeah. My heart is to help <laughs> people process through their hurt so that they don't have to have a bad taste about church in their mouths. You know, I want people to be able to not throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and to be able to process through. Yeah. There's a lot of things wrong with the bride. As you say, like, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Jesus. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was literally yesterday having a conversation with somebody and I said, had I not grown up with a, with an intimate understanding of who Jesus is yeah. and, and had an, an literally an intimate relationship with the, with the church, with the bride, as I do say, and, and with like a, a lifelong kind of back and forth and intimacy with, which is a weird word to use, right? Like, uh, like that's total churchy language that, you know, but with just like a relationship back and forth with the church and with corporate worship and that setting, if I grew up without that and being that who I am now as a 44 year old woman, I would not want to have anything to do with the church. It's no wonder that people that I know, peers that I meet that don't have a quote unquote religious background, it's no wonder that they don't want, they don't, they get the big old postcards in the mail and they just toss her in the trash. Cause why would, why would they, when they see from the outside, all it is, is like a wounding fest. Everyone just, they just hurt their own. Right. And then they, but then they open their arms wide, like, come to us. We welcome you. We will love you. But then they, they catch all these glimpses and hear all these stories of how they just, they kick each other when they're down. And then it's like, they kick each other out and then they shield things that they shouldn't. And then like, in your case, like what what you're saying is if you're trying to help process and love somebody, and I get that there's some lines, right. But then you're accused of gossip and slander. It's like, and then you're told if you have an issue with the leadership, go straight to the leadership. Yeah. So that you can be silenced or that, so that your confession can be used against you later. It's just, it feels like there's no safe places. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's hard yeah. to discern like where you can go. You and know? that's really the point of why we're doing this series. And it, mm-hmm. it's starting out to be much longer than I even imagined it because there's just so many stories and there's no place to talk about them. And so I'm just opening the doors to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I always come back to even this last year for me, and I, we mentioned it briefly earlier, but yeah, like for me, my story was then it's been, a, it's been 13 months now, which I can't even believe. I think it's tomorrow or two days from now will be 13 months exactly that I was let go abruptly over an, something that happened, you know, that was it's kind of not even worth going into the issue. The actual reason that I was let go is like a a simple thing, but, and you know, whatever, but um, which is nor here nor there, except that it was an abrupt thing. It could have been resolved through some like conversations and some accountability and some things, but instead it was just like, this is a low hanging fruit, you know, to terminate me. But I, I remained at my church for, you know, up until a month ago, I had, a couple months ago, I had been there because yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to be here because this is still my family. I had been there for a decade, you know, long before I was on staff for four and a half years, I had been there. Um, but, you know, it's just, a, it's a mess. And, but at the end of the day, uh, up until recently, when I was asked not to be there, <laughs> which is a whole nother, but I could be on um, part two of your podcast if you want because <laughs> that's another recent development. But um, I just keep trying to, to end, to err on the side of grace but it's so difficult, right? When we keep not even allowing space for people to be in the brokenness together, because one of the things that I have said all year to everyone involved 
Um, I'm not the enemy. They're not the enemy. The people that the leadership that fired me are not the enemy. Like I, as much as I've been hurt by them, I love them deeply. And people that want to come to me and want to rally and be like, ah, and I'm like, no, I'm not coming at them. I'm not coming against them. There's some things I would love for certain people to have accountability toward. I would absolutely love for everyone to just put on our big girl and big boy pants and come to the table and be mature about. I would 100% love for that day in an open forum. I'm cognitively aware that that day will probably never happen this side of eternity. For that, I this, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I'm like a positive free, like, can't we all just get along? Like, let's all come to the table and we'll be fine. And I don't know why we can't do that, but it's not going to happen. You know, just, it just doesn't. And I don't understand that, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. And, and that makes me sad, but I, I'm still, there's still grace to offer. Cause I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made mistakes, you know, but I want to have hope. I want to have hope for the, the new revolution of the church, but that hope is getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I need you to help those of us that are processing this church hurt mm -hmm. to like, not stay stuck here for, for too long, you know, yeah. like, you know, I, I read recently or listened in a podcast in the last year, like this concept of, getting to a place where you're not just living out of what you're against, but turning the corner and living out of what you're for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that spoke to me volumes. Cause I'm like, yes, I want to be where, what I'm for, not what I'm against. Yeah. You know, that's, so that's, a, that's a big part. Just like Christianity in general, no matter what denomination or strain you're part of that, that people know Christians more about what they're against right. in our culture than what we're for. Right. Because it's, it's easy to connect over, you know, sitting around and having a complaint fest, you know, and just like, <laughs> you know, and being like, rah, 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 you know what I mean? And then we yeah. bond over that. Right. It's like pain bonding, you know? Oh yeah. And I, and I, I get that. And there is a space for that, but I don't want to camp out there and live there. And for me this last year, it's been like the biggest depression of my life, you know, which well, is, been yeah, yeah, that's the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is, yeah. uh, like you got hit with depression this year. I mean, a lot of people did during COVID, mm -hmm. but this was like, there was some other factors that it, were involved in why this depression hit you this year. Can you talk about your depression? Yeah. I mean, and I'm still, I am still in it. You know, I I'm definitely not in the clear. I feel like in a wilderness, which is very foreign to me as a outgoing, seven, you know, gregarious extrovert person, I am like, Lord, can this please be over? You know, like on a daily basis, I'm like, okay, can we be done with this? And so I, I feel I'm still in the, this depression, you know, this last year and um, of this last year, I'm still in the thick of it and feel like any day I'm like, okay, Lord, can we can I wake up and the magic is just gonna be like, Oh, now I feel better. Now I feel like me again. You know, that's, I think for me, that's the journey is I don't, I've been through moments of what it feels like to be depressed. You know, I lost my mom 20 years ago, mm. um, you know, to cancer. Um, I've been through some hard things in my life. So it's like, I know what it feels like to be down. I know what it feels yeah. like to have, you know, a couple months of, you know, a, a couple weeks, I didn't know what it felt like to go into like a very elongated mm -hmm. time of 
waking up on the regular, not wanting to get up kind of a depression. It's been very hard to say the least. I feel like there's no adequate words to describe, (laughs) you know? Um, Did it start after you were let go or was it starting before? It was, it actually started before. I didn't really realize it because I was kind of masked with just the busyness of still being in ministry full time because that really fuels me. Um, when I'm just like, serve, 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 go, go, go. It like still keeps me going. But yeah, I had, my marriage has been, I've had a really hard, a lot of struggle in my marriage, you know? Um, And so uh, we had been in a really, really rough place, especially like during COVID had kind of brought out like the reality of that, just kind of being quarantined at home together. Yeah. Like that, again, that's a whole nother podcast. You should just have me on for 50 podcasts. I can just be your permanent side guest. like. (laughs) How to walk through all the issues of life. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We had been wrestling through a lot and, and yeah, so just dealing with, with just typical those things. And then, and then the, the hardships of things at the church, you know what I mean? And just feeling like I wasn't heard that was kind of all in there. And I didn't even, it's like, I cognitively knew, but didn't really know in my psyche, if that makes, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know this, can we turn this into a therapy session? You know, it's like, it's like when you know, when you actually know up here cognitively um, for your listeners, I'm pointing at my head, but then in your heart, you don't really know what's like, it's like all swirling around in there and you don't actually connect the dots and then being let go. And then sitting in my backyard day after day after day, you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden it gives that empty space for everything to just sort of like, you know, swirl yeah. and then line up. And then you realize, Ooh, what is going on? And, you know, I've always said from the beginning, like my, my identity, my worth, I didn't feel like was wrapped up in my calling, like my ministry. Mm-hmm. I've always said that, like, I'm like, I know who I am. I'm a really confident person. You know, like I knew that my love from the Lord wasn't wrapped up in what I did for him because I'd already gone through that in my twenties. Yeah. Let me tell you the thing <laughs> I have learned it, through this situation and the depression is I still believe that part that my identity isn't wrapped up in my call or my ministry, but it certainly is wrapped up in like I would say my next layer is realizing how important like community and relationship Mm -hmm. is to me and, and purpose through being able to just connect relationally and the interaction of human on human life, like what I give and what I take reciprocally, you know, from people and without feeling like you have that in like a natural habitat of like the give and take that like a, a job and an environment, a ministry provides Mm -hmm. a church community, even like, you know, it's like when that is kind of stripped away from you. And for me, it was like a two for one, right. Cause it was like, not only my church community, it was like my vocational church community at the, both at the same time. It's like, you don't realize like it's been devastating to me. And so then I do like, even recently I told my counselor last week, I was like, I feel super lost. Mm. Like, I don't know who I am. Well, so then I was like, wait a minute, that is an identity issue. And then I went, Whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Maybe I am. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's really, really hard to like, when you, and, and for me, then it's the next deeper level of like, I am, I mean, I know it's the big buzzword right now, but like, 
deconstruction at its finest, like with what I really believe to be true about everything, you know what I mean? And I did the whole actual deconstruction thing in my twenties. Like, okay. So I already went down that road and can't end back again. You know what I mean? So I'm like, this is like round two. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I already went through all those things you know, a long time ago. So I'm, so it's kind of a, it's just a, man, it is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it makes you rethink like everything about, you know, certain tenets of not just your faith, but like your marriage, like what, you know, all the different things, you know, and parenting and then friendship and community and purpose and calling. And when you've lived 25 years of the way you did life was through ministry. Yeah. And now I'm like, and everyone that's like calling you is like you oh come work for my church come do this thing come be in this ministry and I'm like I don't even know if I want to do ministry yeah quote unquote I don't even you know what I mean like I just want to love I actually the irony is I want to do ministry true ministry which is like I see more secular organizations doing ministry gospel ministry without calling it that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. they're (laughs) serving people yeah yeah, they're actually loving people mm-hmm. and serving people. Yeah. And I do want to do that. I absolutely want to do that. Yeah. But, that part of your calling hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, and that won't change, you know, at all. Yeah. But but depression has been taking a toll and and it's been very hard on my kids mm. because it's like a whole different version of mom. mom. You yeah. know, and and spe- yeah, they both just see it and they both long for like to have me back. And me too, you know, I, like I said, I wake up most days and just be like, okay, maybe today will be the day that something just clicks, you know? Tell me what it was like for you to find a counselor that could help you with this. I'm a proponent of therapy in general. I've, when my mom was very sick, when I was, you know, I was in high school, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So in, in high school, I went to the counseling and then for like a little bit and then in college and then again after college. So I've always kind of throughout the years been recently, most recently here in the area I live in Marietta, I found a counselor a few years ago, really when to find marriage counseling, you know, again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then that sort of shifted to me getting some personal counseling, you know, in regards to like work stuff. And then now this stuff mm-hmm. again, um, I, I just am a big fan and think that anybody, and now there's so much available with like online stuff, you know, like better health and those kind of programs, like it's more affordable and people can find stuff. So now you don't have to go in and spend hundreds of dollars. You still have to spend money and to yeah. find, you know, good therapy. Of course it's good. It's worth it. But yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be frustrating to be honest, because you know, a counselor's job is not to just like get, some people think you walk in and they give you like, here's the 10 things to do. Bye you know, I'll fix you. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not counseling. I was just telling a friend last night, she's like, wait, he just sat there. And, you know, my counselor literally last week told me, you know, I, I feel like you are Job and I am a, the Job's friend right now. And I have no good advice for you. And I'm like, I am not Aww. paying you $140 today to not tell me anything. And we were <laughs> laughing about it. But she's like, you, I, I have nothing to tell you today today that you need to hear, you know, but it's a, it's a journey with, you know, yeah. we've been together for a couple of years. It's not like, uh, he didn't mean he had nothing to tell me. <laughs> it's just, sometimes you're leading that person around that chair until they see the chair and then they see the chair and then you're like, Oh, you see that chair there. So interesting. You saw that chair that's been there for four years, you know, yeah, yeah. like keeps circling you back around, but 
But does anyway. your do you feel like your counselor understands the church hurt part of your story? Um, so my counselor literally counsels almost every person at my specific church. And we joke all the time about the fact that if he ever decided to like lose his licensing and get sued, he could write a book and out all of us because he knows <laughs> he knows everything about everything. I we joke because he's he literally specifically knows all the sides of probably because he counsels everyone. He can't tell any of us anything, of course. But he he gets it when I was in there even a, like a month ago, he he really he just knows how to validate my hurt because he's like, you know, I've never in all my life seen more people that wound their hurting more than the church. And he's been counseling people for, you know, 40 something years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his counseling is hurt. You know, he's like my business. I don't think I would have a business if it weren't for people that were hurt by the church. Mm -hmm. That is a profound statement for Mm -hmm. a licensed therapist to say, he wouldn't have a business if if it weren't for people being hurt by the church. That's wake up church. We got to do something better Mm -hmm. to not be sending people by the droves to therapy. You know what I mean? People have, people have jobs. There is an entire industry market because of what the church is doing to people. I mean, that's like, there are memes about it. It's like, what will my kids be in counseling in their twenties for, for what they get started in youth group about, you know, and that's true, you know? And that's sad. And we should want to do better. We should want to do better. We sh- but yeah. I know I said to somebody just a couple of days ago, like, you know how Jesus says, like, the poor will always be among us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same in this field that the hurting, the wounded will always, I mean, I will always have a job because there, until we reach glory, <laughs> there's always going to be sin and sin always hurts people. Right. And so there's always going to be somebody in need of therapy. <laughs> right. That's, and that's true. And people need to just be walked with and just heard and validated. So, mm-hmm. and then they need to be at some point helped. Like at some point when, when their pain is validated and their hurt is recognized, then there does come that point of like, once they can get to a place where they can see a glimmer of let's shift. Yeah. You know, then we can help them. It's been an, a crazy journey for me too. Cause even in the last two weeks I've met with like, I was counting their day, like last week alone, I met with four different people, groups of people to like counsel them. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, I can say all the best things. Right. And I have all the advice and all the stuff and all the stuff and I can listen and validate. I'm like, Lord, how is this that like, I can still, you can still use me to like, you know, share and love and walk with, but then I'm still just drowning over here in my own, you know? So it's like this, you know, it's a very, life is a very interesting thing, you know? Um, For me, sometimes, sometimes that's helpful to focus on still using my gifts to walk other people but it's more of that like internal stuff right like that the when the things line up and I realize it's like physical and emotional and spiritual and it's like all the things that we have to know about our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our spirit it's all connected you know um but yeah it's an interesting journey I'm definitely in the middle of all of it you know 
Yeah. And even where the scripture says, like, we comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Yeah, that's right. Um, like, yeah. sometimes you're still walking through the mess when you're doing the comforting. Yeah. And that in itself can be comforting to other people because they see you going through tough stuff and they say, well, if Heather can do it, I can do it. Or mm-hmm. like, I, I have some clients who know that I struggle with depression. And mm-hmm. when they're in their deep, dark depths, they say, well, I know Anne made it through, or I I'm so glad to know that my therapist actually knows what this feels like, you know? Yeah. yeah, That's true. I was mentioning that to my husband. I was like, you know, I, I can relate to this in a whole new way now, you know, yeah. it's the things you never want to be able to say, well, I understand exactly what you're thinking and going through. Mm-hmm. Not exactly. Cause everyone is a little bit different. You don't want to ever, you, impose have your, you don't want to ever impose your story on somebody else, but you know, you can have empathy in a different way mm-hmm. for sure. So yeah, it's and, you know, taking care of yourself is is a hard thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going through, it. it's like when you know yeah. what I should get up, I should go for a walk, mm-hmm. I should eat something healthy three times yeah. a day instead of not eating all day. I should drink water. I, it, you know what you know you should do, right? Yeah. And but, but when, when you need to do it, that's the hardest time to do it, right? Exactly. It's just yeah. uh, it feels impossible sometimes. It's yeah. Very interesting. Okay. So that's a good transition. Our wrap up question is always, yeah. what are you doing for soul care? I'm not doing it enough. And <laughs> the, the honest question is not enough, but you know, I'm specifically in the last couple of weeks, I'm, I feel like I'm giving myself a, a B because I'm doing better. I'm, I'm actually trying to be with people more. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's very life-giving to me is to be with my friends mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking care of my, my extrovert tank cause I'm fueled by being with people. So I've been scheduling yeah. just more time with people to come over and visit and sit by my fire pit and actually just have conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being more mindful of, um, of my sleeping because I'm a late night, I'm a total night owl person. Okay. Um, and then I sleep in my kids are like, bless their hearts. They're self-sufficient now in the morning, <laughs> just get themselves to school. How I do not get the mom of the year award for that, but that's okay. <laughs> they don't, they don't care. And I don't care. So I'm like, great. It works out. Um, anyway, but, um, so, but just be more mindful because even though I, I get eight hours of sleep a night, but you know, when it's from like 3am to 11am, like it's, the rest of the world doesn't operate on that timetable. So I'm just trying to be more mindful of that. Yeah. Um, but so, but, but soul care beyond like physical, like with sleep and food, um, I'm, I'm drinking way more water and that is a very helpful thing. Good. I went to the doctor a couple, a week and a half ago and I got all my blood work done and it's all excellent, which was <laughs> alarming to me. <laughs> it sounds silly, but I was fully waiting for the, like, this is going to be good. Cause the shoe is going to drop and he's going to be like, you're this is bad. And this is bad. And you need to kick this in gear. And he's like, your cholesterol is better than mine. And you're, this is great. And I was like, this is not helpful. I wanted you to scare me in motivation. You know, I'm like, yeah, scare me into something, make something up. He's like, no, it's all really great. I've been setting little things, you know, it's like one little thing at a time instead of like the whole idea of like the mountain. Yeah. Cause the mountain feels daunting, but like last weekend, it was just like, you know, my daughter's birthday party was the day before Halloween and then Halloween. And then we took her to see Hamilton for her birthday. It was just a lot. It was a lot in like a three day span. And normally 
every year past, I was thinking about it. I've gotten through those weekends. No big deal. I'm just like a go, go, go produce at like 110%. That's my life this year. It, it almost took me out. I was almost having a panic attack, which I, that's another thing I experienced for the first time in my life was two mm-hmm. panic attacks this last year. I was like, Oh, that's what, what? Those are. you know, <laughs> I, had never, I had never had one before and I've had two. I was like, Oh joy. That's what those are. I almost had another one the other night. Um, in the middle of LA in my car, I got a stoplight. I was like, no, I can't go there. can't do it. Um, but I knew the tools to like tap yeah. myself down, get myself down. Anyway, it was just a lot. And so I'm just learning to like, let, try to not shut up, put up all my walls and to let other people in. I think that's the biggest part of my soul care because I'm such a strong, independent person mm. that to, to give people around me, like my husband, and my closest friends, the space to know before it's, before it's too late, so to speak, <laughs> to let them in a little earlier to know like, Hey, what's going on in you? I need some like help. Yeah. Like, um, and they know, cause they know that I'm struggling, but, but just to know a little ahead of the game, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Well, thanks for letting me into your circle. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having me and for letting me share and blab yeah. on. I know I talk fast and with a lot of words, but <laughs> hopefully you can well, edit properly. Yeah, this is this is the difference between my Southern California girls doing podcasts and other people. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I yeah, I really appreciate everything. And like you said, there's so many other places we could have gone with this mm-hmm. conversation. And so we'll just have to circle back around and yeah, we'll have a part B and see. Yeah. Or <laughs> to talking with you more. Now people can get a hold of you here or there. Are you putting anything out there in the world that you want people to know about? I mean, right now I only have like I'm on social media a little bit, like on Facebook um and, and Instagram. I think I only have the, my Instagram is like the it's the Heather San the do you say the or the I'm not sure. Heather Sanford. Um and then Heather Gaines Sanford is my Facebook. You guys can follow me. I'm getting, I'm putting together, I have a website, but I haven't really ever done anything with it, but I am getting ready to like finalize my coaching. That's one of my goals that I haven't done and I haven't finalized it. But last week when I was like counseling people for free, I realized I need to finalize (laughs) that and get paid for it. So I'm going to start following my advice of all my friends and, and get it all done. (laughs) So once I'm done with that, I'll let you know, then your followers can actually. Okay. So Heather (laughs) Sanford coaching coming in. (laughs) Coming eventually in life. Eventually. (laughs) But for now they can follow me on social media if they want to. Okay. But yeah. Well, thanks for your heart and your vulnerability today. And I hope you have a fun weekend. We're we're about to have a football party. So yeah, I'll see you this weekend. I'll see you there. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.